Hello and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia? The podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diokis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Umberto and my pronouns are he, him. Okay, so welcome to episode one, and which is to say Diokis, the first king of roughly Persia. You'll find out why roughly, but he is going to lead us into about 90-ish or so kings until the end of this season. So hope we make it. That sounds like a lot of episodes. Yeah, it's a lot of episodes, but hey, we can, we can do it. We're going to make it eventually, hopefully. You're very probably. optimistic. I love this. Yeah, we, we said it in the, in the intro, so it has to be true. Yeah, that's true. Ah, oh no, we need to change the intros to all the episodes now. <laughs> all two of them. Yes. Ah, <laughs> terrible. Okay, so yeah, Diarchis, he's in the intro, he's, he's the very first. Yes, he's the first one. I'm and excited. Yeah, so to warm up a little bit, I was wondering to ask you a little bit, Serial. No. About uh, what, how much do you know about Persian history? Can you name any kings? Even if it's just, oh, the guy that did the thing? I... I <laughs> This is not fair. You're the research person, and uh, I am the every every man stand stand in. Yes. Um, um. I know we've talked about Alexander the Great. I would have not, um, particularly related him to the Persian Empire, but apparently he's in there. So I have I have heard about him. Yes, he's in a like twenty or so episodes. So uh, look forward to that. But yes, he, he is going to be. At some point, King of Persia. Yeah, for 20 episodes. So, <laughs> um, I, that's as much as I know. Good. So we'll have lots of cool <laughs> stuff to get into along the way. See, it's... So the, the audience doesn't have to feel like they're not prepared for this, because I'm not prepared for this. So, you know, if you don't know something, it'll, be, it'll have to be explained to me anyway. So. Yeah, see? Oh, no preparation needed. We can just dive can, in and it'll be perfect. We can all catch up together. Yes, wonderful times. And yeah, so Diaki is basically the first of the Median kings, where Media is a kingdom which is not Persia, you may notice. But it is a neighboring kingdom, which is essentially sort of the basis of the Persian Empire. And will eventually, it'll eventually transform into a Persian Empire in episode 5 under somebody who has the nickname The Great. And you will hear more about him later on. So how is a neighboring kingdom than the Persian Empire? I'm confused. So we're not starting in Persia? No, there is no, going to be no Persian this episode. Sorry, but it's important for context. And you're going. I'm going to explain why in a while. I feel like we're lying to our audience. You know, I feel like the title of this podcast—it's a bit of false advertising. If we're not in Persia. Yeah, but I mean, it's only false advertising for episode one. Episode two is no longer false advertising, so it's fine. So why are we starting on episode one and not episode two? Well, I will tell you about that later on when we get to our sources, because I am following a very specific source who starts with Diakis, and I thought I'd do that too. Okay. So you'll hear about it. And Diakis is the interesting start of kingship in Iran anyway. So, you know, it's good to... Fair enough. I'm excited to learn. Yeah. So a bit of an intro to the geography of the area, because I assume that... Uh, not everybody is familiar with the environment we're going to be in, so it's nice to get 
a rough picture with geometric shapes that everyone knows. Yes, please. So we can get into that. Well, we have maps. Uh, we will have maps. I mean, there, this isn't a map-heavy episode, but you know, we will have maps around. There's probably some maps that still work from the previous episode with the Indo-European people and all that. I guess whenever you're listening to this, check out our website or social media that will definitely be up and there will be something there. Yes, you will see something about maps of the area. But if you're not able to access the website or social media, you can just think about it. And if you're driving, you don't have to stop and look at maps for a while. So that's cool. So let's start with this. The idea is that Iran is a rectangle. Okay. Picture a rectangle. It's beautiful. has four sides. Two are longer than the other. It's a horizontal rectangle. Nice. Glad I drew that correctly. I'm taking notes. Perfect. So once you have that, what's on the sides of this rectangle? So let's start from the east. In the east, draw a a triangle in a V-shape where the bottom right corner of of the rectangle is the top left corner of this triangle. So what is this what is this triangle that's pointing downwards? Well this is India. Oh right. India is roughly the same size of the Iranian plateau and it's defined in the ancient sources at least as the land that is beyond the Indus River. Right. Which is essentially the border between our rectangle and the triangle section. So right now the Indus is halfway, is basically in the middle of Pakistan. But in our sources, we're just going to say that anything past the Indus is India. Just because that's where the name comes from. Then if we look to the top right corner of of the rectangle, you can just draw some little mountains there. Those are the Himalayas. Those are a big barrier. We'll never go past it. It's fine. So know that it is an unstoppable area. Yeah, pretty tall, I've yeah. heard. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to become taller than those. It's a lot of work. But then look south of the of the rectangle, so at the bottom, there's just the sea. It's the Persian Gulf. It's a nice wavy, wavy sea. And beyond that, we'll have Arabia, but they don't come into the story for a while. So, you know, it might mostly sea at the moment. Great. Then we can look north. North, we have two bits. So to the northeast, we have a section of steppe. Okay. Which is where those Indo-European people we talked about came from. Mm-hmm. And a lot of different people are going to come from that steppe because it's basically a corridor that leads you to Siberia in one direction and to the Black Sea in the other direction. So it's oh, a, a big entrance. Yeah, and... Every nomadic people is going to be coming through there right. at some point. While in the top west corner of the area... To the left. Yes, top left corner of the rectangle, we have a sea as well, which is the Caspian Sea. Oh. Which is the world's largest lake. And, uh, Wait, so it's, so it's freshwater? No, it's saltwater. Oh. That's, it's, it's just the largest lake in the world. It's massive. And yeah. It is, it is there. It's a Caspian Sea. It's not connected to many urbanized civilizations, but it's going to be interesting to have it around in general. Um, why is it called a lake if it's seawater? I mean, it is a sea. It's called the Caspian Sea. It's just called a lake because it's not connected to any other body of water. You know what? Yes. Fine. Uh, I don't make the rules. I don't call no, what clearly. things are called seas or lakes or whatever. But yeah, there we go. We have a body of water. 
Then finally to the west, what do we have? We have a square about half the size of the rectangle, and that's Mesopotamia, where all of the action has been in the past episode. Well, okay. So yeah, Mesopotamia is comparatively small, but it has a lot of interesting stuff going on. And also just above Mesopotamia, between it and uh, the, the rest, uh, and the, yeah, between it and the Caspian Sea, is a mountain range, which is the Caucasus, which is basically what separates Europe from Asia in this part of the world. And yeah. even here, very high mountains, lots of people living in those mountains, taking advantage of the fact that the mountains are high and dangerous. Seems logical. So, I like yeah, it. A lot of cool stuff. But one last thing we need to go through. So inside the rectangle itself, in the bottom left section is Persia. That bottom left corner is what Persia is. This is where the center of our action is going to be usually. While just above that, between it and the Caspian Sea, is Media, which is where all the Median kings that we're going to be covering are going right. to live and come from. Diochis. Yes, Diochis. Finally, we can go to him. What's the rest of the rectangle? Uh, the rest of the rectangle is currently not important. Oh. It is... Wow. You know, th there's, Par <laughs> How there's Parthia, Bactria, Sogdiana. There are a lot of different places, but we'll get to them when we get to them. I regret asking. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get to them when we actually conquer them. It's okay. We don't own them now. No need to look into them too far. We're not even in Persia. We're in media. So, yeah. I um. guess. So, Diakis has different sources that, that mention him. So one of them is a contemporary Assyrian source, which is, you know, at the same time is the one that's more historically grounded and the one that we are more likely to find it to be true. But we also have some Greek sources from about 250 years later, mm. which tell us a better story, and which is why we're starting from Diakis. But again, they're more distant and they're sort of connected to the later Persian Empire. So they sort of know what's going to happen in the future. Okay. But for reasons that you're going to find out later on, we're going to start with the Assyrian version of the story and then move on to the Greeks. I see. So we can, we can get the more grounded version first and then go into the more fantastical. Yes, the version from the people living at the time. Yeah, And basically. then the historical one. Right, so according to the Assyrian sources, there is apparently a man called Dayauku, who is the governor of a certain region at the border, at the far borders of the Assyrian Empire. So let's set the scene a little bit. In Media, there is a small kingdom containing a people called the Menaeans. Right. I know them. Yes, that makes sense. We, we did talk about them, I think, in, a, in, a, in our own test episode at some point. Yes. So there are these Menaean people right. at the eastern edge of the Assyrian Empire. They are bordering a people in the Caucasus called the Urartians. Mm -hmm. Now, where is Diochis? Ardiochis is apparently a governor of the kingdom of Manea, who is just at the border with Urartu. So, where does the story become dramatic? Mm. Well, apparently, Diochis' son was being held hostage by the Urartians. Okay. So, what does he do? Well, he decides that he's going to go support the Urartian king against his own his own people, the Manaeans. Okay. So that he can get his son back since it was a hostage. Yeah. Like, oh, we have your son, so now you 
either you help us or you'll never see him again. Yeah, that sort of thing. We don't get that much detail, but we can assume that it was something of the sort. Or it was just Ayaki saying, you know what, I'm just going to flip with the people who hold my son and let's avoid going with the Manans. Oh, well, that's worse. Yeah, based on what the Assyrians are telling us, it looks like Diaki's just had this plan and decided, you know what, I'm going to move to the side of the people who could potentially threaten me and betray my own liege lord and start this sort of flipping across the border. If you can't beat them, join them? Is that a saying in English? Yeah, if you can't beat them, join them. Okay. Yes. I was translating that from Spanish. So what happened? Well, a war started when Diaki decided to just change his allegiance. But the problem is that the Manaeans were a subject people of the Assyrian Empire, which is the right. largest empire in the yes. world at the moment, and are very unhappy about a rebellion happening in their subject. So basically, the Assyrian Empire, which was massive and colossal and just Scary. next door, yeah. decided, hey, no, you're not going to steal land from one of my subjects. I'm going to invade you. Uh-huh. So the king Sargon II, who was one of the great Assyrian kings, yeah. decided to march eastwards and absolutely destroyed Diochis and his rebellion. So he managed to take all of his land, dethrone him, and exile him and all his family to Syria, where he died unknown. Uh, Diochis is who we're ranking today, yes? Yes. This is why we're also using Greek sources. We're not doing great. Yeah. So far. Yeah. The idea is that we're not sure if this Diochis is the real Diochis that the Greeks are talking about. Right. Because... Yeah, some historians recognize that, okay, this guy is called Dayoku, so yeah. fair enough, it makes sense that that would be the name. Yeah. Other historians say, but his story ended terribly, he doesn't have a kingdom anymore, how is he the guy that starts a dynasty? Yeah, it, that was kind of a terrible move on his part, and now he's done already. Yeah, he tried and he failed miserably. Yes. So it's unclear. Some people say that, oh, yes, maybe he was exiled with his immediate family, but his son was allowed to keep control of the little kingdom they had. Mm. That went on normally, but yeah, it's a bit unclear about whether is he the actual founder of Still, the Median state. very underwhelming. If we're founding all of this in a small little kingdom that hasn't gone anywhere so far, except, you know almost to war with its own king because the son was kidnapped. Yeah, it's not not a good start for him. I am so confused right now. No, yes. But fortunately, the Greeks care enough about him that we know some more and there's like an actual good story out of that. Oh, well, great. Because so, I was yes. starting to get real worried about this first episode. <laughs> yes, the Assyrian version, not worth writing home for. But we're interested in the Greek version of the story, which right. is the fun part. And I'll let you know how we know about the Greeks. So before this, we need to talk about who is our Greek source, because he is fun and wonderful. And oh. I love him. And he'll I'm, be with us for a long time. I'm feeling a little bit of a bias here. Yeah, he's nice. I'll explain all, all the problems with him, but he's oh, nice. I see. So this person who we're going to be following is the father of history. Herodotus of Halicarnassus. 
Oh, Herodotus, yes. Yes, he is the first person to write history in the Greek model. And, yeah, he is where we get the word history. His book is called The History. Oh. So, and what did it mean back then? Uh, it's basically historion, which sort of means the tale. It's sort of like the story, in right. a way. But how we, how we wrote it in his Greek, that became the basis of history. What Fun. is it? First so, yeah. historian ever. Yes, the first historian ever in this sort of model. And he writes this at the beginning of, of his history. He doesn't just want to say, oh, this is a list of what happened at the end. Yeah. In his book, he wants to try and explain why the Greeks and the Persians came into conflict. And to do that, he's going through each of their histories and explaining how it works. And right. It so actually going into their pasts and not just writing down what's happening in the moment, but trying to find the reasons... Yeah, he's the... trying to say, okay, what chain of events led us this far? Oh, quite interesting. It... Yeah, so it's a fir- it's a new way of viewing this, yeah, which I've, is quite I, interesting. I, well, I've grown up reading history this way, right? That's how you learn about it in school. So it's very funny that you wouldn't... Of course, it had to start at some point. Someone had to write it this way. Yeah, because before that, in you know, a lot of state monuments, you would just have a list of a king saying, oh, I conquered A, B, C, D, E, F, G. While Herodotus is saying, okay... They went to war for this reason, they had trouble for this other reason, they succeeded for this reason, and this is how it ended up happening, and this is the consequences of that action. Nice. Which is an interesting and useful thing to have, especially for, if you're a historian, it's good to have a historian telling you things. I am getting flashbacks to my high school history class and (laughs) my essays in exams. Yes, explain the causes and the reasons for this and this conflict. Thank yeah, you, Herodotus. So it's, it's good to have things from Herodotus. And yeah, Herodotus is actually a bit of a funny version of this, though, because since he's starting history, it's a bit weird. Uh, yes, I could. <laughs> that makes sense. Because he starts everything by sort of planning on writing a travel guide. Oh, fun. So he decided to write a travel guide going around the Persian Empire, him traveling, Mm -hmm. sort of in the order in which they were conquered by the Persians. And in doing this, he goes around and asks the local people stories, you know, tell me what these pyramids are, why are they here, how long did it take to build them, or, you know, tell me what are your burial customs, and goes around and gathers a lot of information about these people. That's so cool. And then he's getting, like, first-hand... Well, probably not first-hand, because some of the things would be, like, by generations past, but, yeah, it's you know, he gets the story of the of the actual place from the people yeah, who live there. Yeah, talks with awesome. the people there, and also, you know, potential merchants from far-off lands right. and all that sort of thing. So he manages to build up this whole set of information, and then he decides, okay, you know what, I can make a cool story out of this. Let me weave it together into something where I can explain the rise of Persia and uh, its contact with Greece. So, is this absolutely ob- objective? No. No. There are many reasons why it isn't objective. So many reasons. Is this just a guy taking a bunch of stories and being like, let me write a novel with all of them? Yeah, hey, sort of. You know? <laughs> well, first of all, it's weird as a, as a document of history because... I remember I was kind of shocked the first time I was reading Herodotus because he says, okay, and now I'm going to tell you about how uh, this certain king conquered Egypt. Hmm. It's like, okay, Herodotus, good to hear, nice. (laughs) But then he says, okay, but wait just a second. Before I tell you that, let me tell you something about Egyptian culture. Okay, interesting. Why not? Sure. I don't know about it. And then he goes through an entire book 
describing Egyptian customs. Goes all the way through trying to describe like, oh, the pyramids and oh, crocodile burials and oh, cats. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then at the end he says, oh yeah, by the way, I need to still tell you about the invasion. I'll tell you in the next book. Clickbait! Yeah, I hate it! Come on. And I had to buy a new book to, to read that, so no, Herodotus, why? He clickbaited you in, like, I don't know, 2,000 years? Yes, it was It was a long, long-term long clickbait, but yeah, it happened that way. That's hilarious, actually. I am now his fan. I so yes. He is very fun with that. But yeah, as you've mentioned, he's not reliable for a series of reasons. So first of all, is that, well, for our purposes, he is a Greek. He isn't a native of Persia, so he may misunderstand many things or or maybe Indeed. want to paint them in a different light because he is coming from a period of conflict between Greece and Persia. We know how this goes, you know. Yeah, so he's not going to be entirely objective. And also in his travels, he might be talking with people who themselves might have, might either particularly like Persia or dislike them or have their own biases. Yeah, this is not a fully objectively researched document it's more of a tell me your story and i'll put it in my book yeah it's a lot yeah it's a lot more colloquial yeah colloquial in a way it's people be people yeah it's, it's just asking people okay tell me the legends of this place oh okay you know. i kind of love it it might not tell us an accurate history of what happened but it might tell us a lot about him specifically and the people at the time yeah it tells us a lot about what the people were we're interested in. So, for example, with Diocles, he's the founder of Persia. So, we don't really get so much of the real Diocles in a way, but more about how he was remembered or perceived by. And that's also his important people. to know. Yeah, so that's a valuable thing to, to know about his character. So far, Diocles, mm, not a great founder. So, please no. give me something to. Herodotus will rehabilitate him. But yeah, a couple of extra things about Herodotus because he's very cool. So, the first one is that he isn't going to be objective for one more reason. Oh, great. Because his history was meant to be read out in public in Athens. Oh, I see. So this is a problem in a couple of ways. Uh, firstly, because, well, Athens is going to look good because that's your crowd. You don't want to yeah. speak poorly about your own crowd. Insult your public, yeah. And secondly, because all of this is going to need to keep some lay people's attention so you need to add fun anecdotes, interesting stories, morals, that sort of thing, yeah. which makes a public stay, even if maybe they don't especially care about what happened in Persia. You need to put a couple of jokes in there, you know, keep the audience attention. Yeah, it's basically like a podcast. Make it relatable, you know, talk to the kids these days. Yeah, talk to the youths. But yeah, one last cool thing is that is looking at the Far East. So... Herodotus is sometimes called not just the father of history, but the father of lies <laughs> because of all this unreliability, which I think is a little bit unfair because I don't think he's doing it on purpose. He's just not too rigorous well, with his research. I mean, like, I don't think he his purpose was to de deceive people, but he's it's not like he's trying to be objective yeah, in any he's way. Just, he's just trying to tell a good story is the point, which is why he's an excellent source for this podcast. But, you know, it's not the most reliable of people. But yeah, one of the cool things he, he talks about in the Far East is, uh, first of all, he talks about griffins in the steppe. <gasps> yeah. Guarding nests of gold. Awesome. And also there are ants the size of dogs in India which dig up gold. Ants? Yes. What? 
Do they have a mythological name too, or are they just ants? No, they're just giant ants. Ah, okay. And the cool thing is that some scholars have been looking into these claims, and they may have found them to be true. <gasps> no. Which is really cool. Wait, so, the, the ants? And the griffins. What? I, do, I, okay. <laughs> so I'm listening. The griffins apparently stem from the mythology of the, of the people of the steppe who right. live there. And the interesting thing is that in that area of the Asian steppe, there are many skeletons of protoceratops. Oh, yes. Baby. Which are generally buried there with their own uh, nests. And given oh. the environment of it, they're easy, easy to sort of unearth just naturally through the wind. And the people crossing there who were hunting for gold would find these strange creatures with a back sort of like a lion and a front sort of like a bird. I love it. And that is supposedly where the idea of griffins comes from. So they found dinosaur fossils and they were like, this animal's wild. Yeah, and nobody ever saw one, but... But the bones are there. Yeah, but since the bones are there, it's like, oh, it has to be there. That, for those of you who might not know what a protoceratops looks like, you probably know what a triceratops looks like. A protoceratops is just smaller and with just one horn? Uh, I don't remember if it has any horns at all. Okay, but the shape is similar, just no horns and a beak, mouth, and kind of built like an elephant. Yeah, it's 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 a cool animal, but yeah, it's it's fun that people unearthed it and yeah. pe- and the their size own would story. be because they were relatively small dinosaurs, so the size would be like a lion, like yeah, a it would be roughly European as you would expect lion. So this is one of the first instances of paleontology and reconstructing a fossilized creature. That's awesome. I love this. Okay. But so far, I don't love Diokis much, but... He's hey. coming. He's coming at some point. Uh, but the last bit is the... What about the ants? What about the giant ants the size of dogs? Oh, yeah. I had forgotten. Sorry. Dinosaurs <laughs> were too interesting. Apparently, these ants weren't really ants, but just giant groundhog-like things, which exist in India, and Ground? dig up, dig into the mountains. They're like marmots oh. sort of thing. Mm. So apparently they are giant marmots, which live in the mountains and the Himalayas, and they tend to dig up a lot of stuff, and these areas were full of gold dust, so they dig up gold. Mm-hmm. But why were, did they become ants? Yeah, That's what's confusing me right now. Well, apparently the Persian word for ant and the Persian word for marmot sound very similar to a oh. Greek person. Right, mistranslation. Yeah, so either Herodotus, when he heard it from a Persian, maybe his Persian wasn't so good, so he misheard one for the other. And, you know, it's the Far East. Who knows? He's never been there. There's griffins. I don't. There, you know. Yeah, there's griffins. Why can't there be giant ants? Gold digging ants? Sure. I mean, to be fair, gold digging marmots is also not <laughs> something I would expect. <laughs> but yeah, so apparently Herodotus decided to... Write them as ants, and that's how they ended up there. <laughs> Wonderful. I love this. So, Honestly, I'm really interested on all of these typical mythical creatures from different regions of the world and how they're based on either living animals or extinct animals and the stories that people weave around them. It's yeah, it's always really fun to find the origins of you know dragons and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Awesome. But finally, we can get to Diakis. Oh, dear. This man, please offer me something. Our first rating cannot be this bad. Yes, it's going to be better. It'll it'll work out. Okay, so Herodotus tells us that 
Diakis was a wise man in Amphilogen Media. At the time, Media was not governed by any kings or rulers. Every village governed itself. Mm-hmm. It was in a pre-state society. Okay. So why is Diakis important? Well, yeah. Diakis was known in all of his village to be a very wise man who everybody could trust with his judgments. So it often happened that people came to him for little disputes. So say, oh, Bob's goat came and ate from my field. I want compensation. Diakis, please tell us what we should do. And Diakis would say, okay, you can get two liters of the goat's milk as compensation. Go home and keep your goat tight. Okay, so he was just a person that people would have in high esteem because he knew how to resolve conflict. Yeah, he knew how to resolve conflicts and was very good. And everybody thought that, yeah, he, he was doing a good job at it. Good job. He was so good at this that his reputation spread out to the neighboring villages. Oh, nice. And more and more people came to Diaki saying, Hey, Diakis, could you help me? We had this problem. We have a border dispute. Ah, no, my daughter ran away. What should we do? It's uh, a good no, skill to have, huh? Like being able to de-escalate conflict and like resolving a situation by empathizing and yeah, being it's, just. Yeah, it's important to know how to do this. It's almost, it's almost like it's important to learn, huh? Yeah. So Diakis, what does he do? As all these people come to him, he starts to think, nobody's paying me for this. I mean, it's a lot of pressure and a lot of work, and I'm not being rewarded for it at all. I mean, I appreciate helping my neighbors, but once it's the guy from six villages over, yeah. I'm, once you I'm kind of tired. Once you war between like, the village on the up of the hill and the village on the down on the hill, and like it gets a bit out of hand. I can imagine he, it starts with the little pressure of like, oh, this child got an apple from my tree. And then it ends up with like, I am going to burn this whole village down if they don't do this. And, you know, when so many lives depend on your decision, uh, someone should pay for your therapy. Yeah, it's not great. So Dayakis decides, you know what, I'm done. (laughs) This is enough for me. I'm, I'm okay. Nothing. I'm going to stop judging all your stuff, sort your sort yourselves out. Done forever. Goodbye. So he retires to private life. But the problem is that everybody had become so dependent on his judgments Ooh. that robbery and lawlessness begin to spread throughout the country. Oh, no. As everybody says, oh, well, you know, if Diakis isn't here to tell us what's wrong oh, or no. right, we can do whatever. That backfired. <laughs> yeah, so now everybody's worse off. How did we get here? Because Diakis was trying man. to be helpful. It's just- Oh my god. This is why we can't have nice things. No. How did it I would expect this to happen like throughout generations in like a community where you have some kind of system and you implement it over time and then you take you take it away and like as an Mm -hmm. experiment, you know? But this happened within this the man's lifetime, so what Yes, this this was a lot. Ancient medians apparently did not have People really said, oh, we don't need to think anymore. Diokis says what to do. Yeah, they're like, yeah, well, oh, well, Diokis is gone. Let's just not think and keep going. It's okay. <laughs> What's happening? So what happens is that Diokis' friends start to see the situation and say, oh, no, this doesn't look good. And they tell everybody, you know what? If Diokis were king of our country, like our neighbors are doing, he could probably just handle all this stuff and would be rewarded for it. So it would all be worth it. And everybody says, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's all make Diaki's king. And Diaki says, uh, fine, sure. I'll be king. <laughs> if you ask that way, I mean, I guess. Oh. Yes. <laughs> so 
Yeah, he's not too happy about it, but sure, he'll do he's it. He's getting paid for it now, so... Yeah, so finally he's a king with it, and you know, he can get something out of it. I hope he's not only being paid on exposure. You know, like, <laughs> oh, you're king now, for sure, for real, yes. You're king, Here's you can, your you crown, can smile bye. and wave, this is your exposure. I, I assume he got money for it. Yes, he did get money. Some which kind is of... Quite, yeah. I don't know if money was Money thing. doesn't exist yet, but you know. Yeah, got, some kind of uh, compensation. Yes. Nice food, I suppose. A house, I don't know. Clothes. This is the innocent version that we get from Herodotus. Lovely. But there's a less innocent version from a later Greek called Polyanus. Hey! Who... That sounds terrible. Oh my god, yes, that name. It's, it's, not, it's not a good name. <laughs> I, it took me like a second to figure it out. Oh boy, I love him. Yes. Polyanus. <laughs> too, many, too many jokes. <laughs> Must resist. Oh god. Okay, continue. Terrible. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in this in version of Polyanus, it's not <laughs> an, an innocent... I promise I'm not 12. <laughs> um, I was going to say... I'm sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> I was going to yes. say, it sounds very of the times, which might not be of the times, but, you, you know, like, men's history of, like, putting your founding leader to be a figure to aspire to be and making him like, oh, he was so good, he didn't even want to rule. He just like, out of the good of his heart, made the place better. And then it was the people who were needed him to keep being good people. And he didn't even want the power, but he had, you know? Yeah. Like, I've heard this tale before. Yeah, it's a very common thing among founding figures. We have another one later on, which has a similar vibe. Mm. But yeah, it's... He is a founding figure of the Median state, so of course they want to paint him to look good and yeah. important and well-meaning. You want people to be able to look up to them. Yeah. Yeah, so Polyanus, we don't really know where he gets his information, but might have made it up, but it's a good story, so here we go. So apparently, in this version, Diochis first obtained some guards to protect him, because he says... Well, you know, if I'm going to do, be doing all these judgments, I'm going to ruffle some feathers, and it's going to be important that somebody protects me and people ensures that get nothing goes wrong. But didn't people, hadn't people gotten mad before? Apparently not. And now they would? This is what the evil twin Diochis is saying. So what does he do? One night in secret, he decided to fill his house with stones. I, okay, let's see where this is going. So the next day, he shows up in front of the whole assembly of the Medes and says, Look at my house. Look what happened. It appears that people have been trying to murder me by stoning me to death in my sleep. Because of all the judgments I do for you and all the good things I do, look, I was about to be killed. Oh. You know, the only way to be safe is if you build me a palace and I can hide there with more guards. And Lovely. if you make me king, you know... Otherwise, I'm just going to leave and you'll be subject to lawlessness. I mean, we have already established that people do not think for themselves in this village or in this region because, you know, they asked him to be king because apparently they couldn't be decent. So, yeah, I mean, go for it, Diochis, if, you know, free palace. <laughs> so this is the evil Diochis version versus the good Diochis version that Herodotus yeah. gives us, so... See, which is your favorite one? I feel like they're both equally wrong. Like, I don't believe either. Yeah, I mean, there's probably some middle ground of threats and promises. I just don't think he did this at all. Of, like, being the wise person in the village who helped everybody. 
I like, mean, it could have been just some random guy. We're not sure. It's that might be because I'm biased by the beginning of this episode. <laughs> it's still yeah. The beginning mm, of this episode is the closest one to reality that we could have. If it's the same character, it's been of course. real underwhelming, and it's going to take a lot to climb back up. <laughs> I promise, I'm not going to be harsh to these kings of Persia who obviously care so much about my ranking. But like. What an episode to start with. <laughs> yeah, first episodes generally don't start with the most important person. Well, like, I was, you know, I was expecting legend and inaccuracy, because, like, it's the furthest away in history we're going to go. So, obviously, like, I was expecting some made-up legend about this great king, since he's the founder, I'm sure. Like, he did some amazing stuff. And we start with, like, yeah... He was king of a region. He betrayed the region because the other kingdom had his son. And then he got destroyed by this other king who actually came to aid his region that he should be actually caring about. And then he got deported and died. Yay! Wonderful. Yeah, the Assyrian version isn't especially exciting. But Herodotus at least has fun stratagems and stuff. Let's let's continue with this. We'll keep going. Let's It'll see. be fine. Yeah, so Herodotus tells us that Diocles is the one that founded the Median capital city of Hagmatana, ah. later called Ekbatana, uh-huh. which is the modern city of Hamadan in oh, Iran. Oh, okay. I see. So Herodotus tells us that the city looks very, very cool. So there were large and strong walls in seven concentric circles, Ooh. each taller than the towers of the previous one. So it's basically a climbing pyramid structure of walls. Oh, uh, Basing say. Yes, it's basically Basing say. Wonderful. But it has the cool stuff because the walls are all colored in different Ooh. way. So the first one is white, second one is black, third one is crimson, fourth blue, fifth red, the sixth one is coated in silver, and the seventh one is coated in gold. Weird combination. But I'm here for it. And in the centermost bit, we have the palace complex, where there's the royal palace and all the treasure houses for Dayakis to swim around in like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> right. Apparently, according to Rodas, the largest wall was as long as the wall around Athens in 430, which sounds a bit unlikely, but, uh, you know, Athens at its height was pretty big. Okay, so... So, a bit unlikely. Actually, it's interesting that these seven walls in different colors might have mm. actually been talking about a ziggurat. Right. Which is sort of like, if you to picture it roughly, it's sort of like a step pyramid. Mm-hmm. So you could imagine that the seven layers could have been these sort of seven steps going higher and higher into okay. this temple-like structure. But it also could have been the whole city. Or it could have just been, yeah, a series of concentric walls, however. Do the colors have any meaning? I looked into it, but I couldn't really find anything too specific about it i just thought it was it's just curious that they have crimson and red when they're pretty similar yeah i'm not sure what the exact reasoning behind that might be but like uh, which red which pigment i'm sorry it's probably gonna be like brick red that sounds like a good wall color silver and gold i get white and black sure Mm -hmm. and then crimson blue and red I need to draw this. It'll be fun to, to, to figure out what it looked like. Yeah, it's a fun concentric city, is, is the point. And all the colors, you can assign your own meanings and find out that actually that was the symbolism all along. I see. Use them in your TTRPG campaign 
folks. Yeah, that, that's a free design there. There you go. Have each wall have a different effect on the region of the city. Yeah. Oh, that would be really cool. Anyway, back to <laughs> but history. Yes, anyway, back to history. Diakis in Herodotus' version as well, asks to get a bodyguard so mm. he can build his new city. And uh, apparently all of this walled section was only for him and his guards and everyone else would live outside. So immediately after a kingdom is established, it degenerates into oh, despotism, according to the wonderful. Greeks. Wonderful. But don't he like didn't kings. want to rule. And um, come on, he was such a good man. Yeah, he was nice. He was just, you know, doing it for everyone else. Because yeah. you don't want to have a king that lives in a shabby place. That would be disappointing. Yeah, you need to you need to be differentiated from the poor people. So yeah, it needs to be very differentiated from the poor people, because he establishes rules that nobody could come into his presence. Except through messengers, mm-hmm. that no man could see him, and nobody should laugh or spit in his presence. Oh, that's sad. I yes. mean, I understand the spitting, but like, nobody laughs yes. when no you're jokes, around? No jokes, nothing. Are you sure? It must be awkward when Diakis makes a joke that nobody can laugh, but... Yeah, I guess he wasn't a very comical fella. Sounds like he wouldn't be that, no. The only thing I can think about right now is just that scene in the Monty Python. Do you think it's... Funny when I say Dickus? Dickus? <laughs> <laughs> this is the only thing. <laughs> yes, nobody could nobody oh. could watch any Monty Python. Oh no. They would just be dragged away and executed for laughing. Poor bodyguard. So sad. I bet this happened. So many times. <laughs> Do you know what his wife was called? <laughs> Incontinentia. Incontinentia. Incontinentia buttocks. <laughs> Anyway, I hope there's some Monty Python fans out there. I'm sure there are. I I feel the Venn diagram of history nerds and Monty Python fans is... A circle. Nah. (laughs) Well. It's a funny looking ellipse. Yes. Fair. So back to Diakis. He apparently ensured that nobody could see him physically. That Mm. he would have to always go behind... A curtain so that he couldn't be seen. D- dear Diokis, do you have anything you want to talk about? Do you, like, do you have body issues? Like, that's normal. We can... Therapy's a thing. Yeah, apparently it's not been invented yet. Oh. Yeah, Even oh. Freud's far away, so... I... The best you can do is just hide yourself in a palace. Honestly, mood. I, I relate. Continue. Yeah, if you have a palace to hide into, why not? But apparently this was done so that the men of his own age, who knew him when he was just a dude, wouldn't plot against him and think, oh, he's some sort of godlike figure now. Ooh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's not mess with Deakis anymore. And apparently he would administer justice by having people write their pleas and send them to him by mail. And okay. then he would just write a reply and send it back through messengers. Well, he really said, no more social contact, please, thank you. He decided that first round where everybody was coming to him was too much. (laughs) No more people now. Yeah, good introvert. I relate. (laughs) And he also established a spy system of watchers and listeners, Uh which are apparently the ancestors of the Achaemenid eyes and ears of the king, who would go all around his realm to listen and watch for anything that might be interesting to the king or that might be a threat to the established order. So now, after all of this time going from a stateless society, Diakis has managed to consolidate power into a true kingdom like the rest yeah. of the, For like the rest of Middle Eastern world. Was not interested in ruling. He sure knew what he had to do. To yeah, rule. He, he managed to organize everything very well. 
Sounds like a delightful little city, you know, Big Brother watching and all. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a lot, and especially from a Greek point of view, since they didn't like kings, and they were from an Athenian point of view yeah. more more than everything. They had they some don't like kind kings of democracy. And that sort of thing. Mm, yeah. yeah, as long as you're not a woman or poor or yeah, that's why I said some kind of <laughs> or democracy. A it's fine. It's better than Sparta anyway. Yeah. But yeah, so after this, Diochis united all of the Medians, all of the different tribes, among which were apparently the Magi. Oh, who did are, they do magic? That is where the word magic comes from. No, tell me about this. Yes, because the Magi are a series of priests of Zoroastrianism, which mm-hmm. is the religion we have roughly in this area. The timing is a bit weird. Mm-hmm. But the Magi are this class of priests that, due to their perceived mystical properties from the Western audiences, they were seen as magicians, and that's where the word magic comes from. And also, if you know your nativity story, the wise men or... Oh, yes, the three wise men. Yes, wise men are called the three Magi, because they come from the East and they have strange religious powers, and yeah, these are these Magi. Yeah, because they're cool and they're magical because they go around the world in their camels and leave presents for children on the night of the 5th of January. Don't you know this? Yeah, I mean, that's pure science. Yeah. It's simple facts. Who's that Santa Claus I keep hearing about? That's Yeah, yeah that's fine. Santa Claus is a poser. He comes, yeah. he comes later on. So finally, all the Medians are united and we have the Magi among them and all the different tribes are joined. So Media together is now a full kingdom under the power of Diochis. And Diochis apparently continued ruling in this fashion for 53 years until he died unremarkably and left the kingdom to his son, Fraortes. I am writing down that he united media and ruled for 53 years because that's the most impressive stuff I've had so far. He built a fancy city. And, it looks yeah, and the walls, because that's cool. But, you know, the fact that he left literally everyone in the kingdom outside of the city is kind of... Not fun. Yeah, not ideal. But Who lived in the city? Like, his guards and him? And that's it? Pretty much. That, Wait, that for real? <laughs> I think that was, that was it. It was just a man cave. Very empty city. I think I'm buying the temple. Yeah, it could be more of a temple version. Now. Yeah. The whole city seems a bit empty. Yeah, it's a, also the size that Herodotus gives us is way out of proportion with. Oh well, yeah, he that mentioned it was like Athens, which right? was like Athens at its height in its glory days. And there's one man living there and his gods. Yeah, it's it's a bit weird. It's a community of gods. They you know they open the little tea shops and the little yeah, it's like, very you know. it's very cute. It's very nice on weekends, but yeah, problematic if you want to have more people go around and help you. Yeah, there's something here that doesn't add up. Yeah, so this is what we get from this man who lived 2,700 years ago. Long time, but the information that we have is a bit spotty. Yeah, because Herodotus was not a contemporary from this. Herodotus lived 250-ish years after this, so these are stories that he heard from a guy who heard them from a guy who heard them from a guy. It's like if we're starting to write about the 18th century. I mean, yeah, this is sort of like... Asking a random American on, on the street, tell me about George Washington. Right. And you'd say, oh, yeah, there was that cherry tree thing and he had wooden teeth and uh, he, has a, he has a wig, I think, and he's on our money. That'd be awesome, actually. So just if, write if that, a new history just by what the, the average American knows about the revolution and the founding of, of the U.S. Yeah. So, you know, 
there's a sort of the basic, like imagine your national heroes in your own country and think about what the average person would say about them. Like you can come up with a few facts. It's like, oh yeah, I vaguely remember this story that's meant we to We also have history now and we learned this in school. Yeah, sure. Yeah, if somebody didn't learn it but just learned it through, you know, folk stories, then it's a bit more Fun. difficult. It's like Robin Hood. It's like, oh, eh, maybe. Cool, cool, cool. But yeah, so that is all the information that we have about Diakis. Short fellow, but well, now it's to time start. to rate him. Oh boy, Hooray! I'm excited about first this. First rating. I did not expect someone like this for a first rating. This is going to be very funny. Yeah, it's things are going to escalate in the amount of information. But yeah, these first few, Diakis is like a paragraph and a half. In yeah, so. and not and not a good one. Uh, yeah, not 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 with his neighbors. So the first category is final moments. How interesting was his death? We don't know anything about his death. I was going to say, did we mention it? No, he died at some point, or in he's Syria. a cool vampire. That's true. There are two versions of his death. In Ooh. Herodotus's version, he just Dice. fades away I after see. fifty-three years. In the Assyrian version, he's deported and dies far from home in Syria. Oh, okay. Yes. So Herodotus does not mention that he ran away. No, Herodotus doesn't mention that whole war and everything. In Herodotus' version, that doesn't exist. Which is why some people wonder, is it really the same figure or was Diakis just off screen in the Assyrian version doing his own stuff? Yeah, I feel like we're talking about two men. There's a lot of arguments around. But let's pretend. Let's pretend it's the same person. Yeah, let's assume. It's very funny to me that he just fades at some point, but we know it's 53 years of rule. Yeah, it's also very weird because the timings are really off. It's I unclear. assume it's because we know when his son starts being king. We don't know. His son is also semi-mythical. I his bet. grandson we know about. We okay. have actual dates and actual people telling us about him. Like, if you had said 50 years, I'd be like... That's a round number. People might have said, yeah, around 50 years he ruled. But like 53? Yeah, it looks like Herodotus was sort of working backwards from the kings that were around at his time and sort of trying to fix things. But again, even here, it's unclear if Diochis' reign started in 722 BC, 727 BC, sorry, Mm. or if in 700 BC. It depends all on how you reconstruct this because the dates are very messy. So poor Herodotus, honestly, to give him some credit, was just trying to reverse engineer. Okay, I know this is where we are now. This is around how much time we have between this and this happens. This is how long it should have. Yeah, he was trying to ask people that he knew, saying, hey, please tell me about this guy. How many years did he reign? like, I don't know, roughly 53, I suppose. How old were you when this (laughs) happened? Yeah. I don't know, like six or seven, man. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, six, six or seven. My grandfather told me this yeah. at one point. So how impressed are you with the death? Let's use both of them in, because it's not like, getting much like from Like minus 30? I don't... So sad. What is our scale? Zero to uh, ten? Well, yeah, zero to ten. I, zero? He just died at some point. We don't know from what. Uh, he might not have died in his kingdom, but like he just... Uh, yeah. yeah, I was thinking of maybe a one for the Syria thing, but meh. Really? No. No. <laughs> Sorry, Diakis. Zero for final moments. Next time, die better. <laughs> Next one is battle hardness. So, uh, how well did he fight? Not at all. I mean, and when in, in the Assyrian version, he sided with the enemy and then got completely trampled by... Wait, I have notes. 
Sargon the Second, and in the Herodotus version, was there? A, he, I, I mean, mean he, he made he united he made media, which doesn't, doesn't tell us that it was through war. It yeah, could have I just was, been very persuasive. Because I felt like if the villagers around the region were already listening to him, then he just was like, "Okay, I'm your king now." Yeah, it doesn't I, feel. Doesn't sound like a warrior king. I'm not saying he didn't do something good because I mean he made a city and he united a region and like that will have repercussions yeah, in the it's future. Later on. But battle related? Yeah, battle related. Zero. Nah. Yeah. Sorry. Because yeah, the only the only thing he potentially fought was the terrible loss that destroyed him. So eh, let's yeah. not do that. So zero again for Diakis. This is starting perfectly. Yeah. I. I Telling you, I. Why did you choose him as the first one? Because <laughs> Herodotus chooses him. I, it's important for context. God damn it, Herodotus! He'll improve. He'll be better. He'll have fun stuff. Next category is scheminess. So, how schemy is he? How manipulative? And according uh, to Polyanus, I will not laugh. <laughs> Very apparently, he was a terrible person who was just taking advantage from the good, good people around the village. And yeah. being like, look at this, look at what someone did to me. I definitely need more money and more guards and a palace and for you to leave the city that I'm building. Okay, bye. Yeah, so Polyanus is, is the most mustache-twirling villain yeah. of them all. Herodotus also has it a little bit because he institutes like a whole spy network around his That's village fair, to try yeah. and build things up. Keep it under control because yeah. everything's going great. There's yeah, no war in Basingse. Yeah. I mean, it's there, so you can't see anything out of it. Yeah. You can't even go look into Basingse, so of course there's no war in it. Yeah. Also from the Assyrian version, you hear that he is colluding with the enemy. That's true, yeah. Of his kingdom to try and get his son back. I so. guess he cared for his son, which, you know, good you know, points there. Good quality, but... You know. uh, I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of scheminess in there. There's I'd say like four... Four... It's not impressive scheminess, it's just like, okay, the, you know. Yeah, so it's okay, we also don't get too many details, but I like the house stratagem, that's fun. Yeah, filling it with, how big do you think the stones were? I feel like it's like a fist-sized stone, or like, like the size that you could throw into someone's... I mean, if you're throwing you... boulders in someone's house, that's. I would be scared <laughs> for different reasons. I mean, it would... <laughs> I'd want to hire the boulder chucking guy. <laughs> the boulder chucker. Yeah, boulder um... chucker, chuck. Oh, beautiful job title. No, I'm saying you would need so many to fill a whole house. Like, how high do you think he filled it? Like, just the floor or, like, up to your knees? I'm feeling like a good floor a good floor covered in rocks. And just would, every would rock level. happened to land where no other rocks were, you know, so you covered Yeah, it was all thing. perfectly tessellated. It was beautiful. So you can then cobble, you know. Basically refloored his house, but Perfect. it was fun. Maybe that's what he was doing. Just reflooring his house. Yeah, everybody just mis terrible misunderstanding. I see. I see how this region works the way it works. Yeah, the medians. <laughs> Starting. Sorry, medians. It's fine. There aren't any left. It's okay. I would, I'm willing to go up to a five. Sorry, vampire medians. <laughs> so, sorry? I'm willing to go up to a five. Up to a five? What am I willing to do? Mm. I don't know. I don't know about the rest of the kings, so I don't know if this is yeah. way I mean, too it's, high it's or too reasonable low. enough. I feel like we should redo these once we have more to compare it to. We can, we can do a redux at some point. Yeah, but uh, what about? Hmm, you know, I'm going adding up all the different stories. I think a five is acceptable. I think it's too much, but go ahead. Yeah, it's not going to get many points elsewhere, so 
<laughs> Go for it. For Diokis. Shock factor is the next category. So how shocking is he? How scandalous? How... Confusing. What yes. the, what's happening? <laughs> he is very confusing. Does he is- exist? Is he one man? Is he two? Do we have any stories of someone named Diokis, like, at all? That refer to an actual person? We don't know. Is Herodotus making it up? Is Polyanus just a funny dude with a funny name? Who knows? <laughs> yes, those are all interesting and important questions. The implications. We know nothing. Corkboard and string. <laughs> Where is he? But yeah, shock factor, what I could add here is that, well, he builds a city slash temple complex for himself. He takes the kingship from a previously anarchical people. Fair, yes. Well, he potentially colludes with the enemy and switches sides against them. Uh, people really did a t- made a terrible mistake when they decided, you know, let's not have anarchy anymore. Let's put a dude in charge. And then everything went wrong. Yeah, this is presented mostly as a terrible mistake for Herodotus. Yeah, I feel that. But yeah, so Shock Factor does a lot of weird, sketchy stuff. But on the flip side, he is also generally a just judge that people go to. Yeah. And he's just trying to do a good job. I think I'd give him a three for the weird stories and the cool painted walls, which I'm still totally like going to look up the colors and see if they have any meaning, because why? Yeah, that is a bit weird. So you're going with a three for shock factor. Um, what am I going to do? I'm going to do, let's say, one point for the private city, one point for becoming king, one point for the Assyrian stuff. I'm also going to go with a three. We're very matchy-matchy today. Perfect. Shock factor is a total of six points. Next is Aaron Shine. So how good was he for his country? Well, he created it. We don't know. Is this a good decision? Is this a bad decision? Or is everyone going to die? Well, eventually, but you know. Yeah. The good thing is that eventually the empire continues and it's called a median empire, not a median village, which is good, I suppose. This is about the Persian Empire. Yes, so... but the Persian Empire is going to spring from the median empire. Okay. So, I guess good... So yeah, on the good side, he built the capital of Media. And didn't let anybody in. True. He also established kingship in Media. So he turned it from a basically semi-barbarian countryside into something that was a united country. And again, I'm not entirely sure that was a good idea. But if you want to resist the Assyrians from crushing you, you want to be organized enough that you can fight back. Fair. The Assyrians, very scary people. Yes, the Assyrians will, you know, make a beautiful mural of 65 ways to impale you. So you want to make sure you can defend yourself against these people. Okay, fair. Did they? Did this help? It it will, yes. We'll find out next episode that it did help. But this is a little bit like the Germanic peoples on the border of the Roman Empire that started very vague and unincorporated. And then eventually you get big globs of people like the Franks and the Alamanni and the see, Vandals yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that. So It makes sense to be organized in some way. Yeah, basically, the more you work together, the stronger you get to be. Yeah. So he builds media, builds the capital, creates kingship, and he also institutes the eyes and ears of the king. Yeah. You can see how well that could go. That stays. Uh, that does stay, at least, until the Achaemenids. Oh, I can't wait for the drama. <laughs> There's a lot of spy drama, yes. Heck yeah, it's the best. 
Okay, fair, fair, fair. So I guess he was good for the... Like, I'm fairly certain we'll have some kings that are bad for the Empire. Yes, or some that are very... He wasn't bad. bad for the Empire, he just made it. It would be hilarious if he was directly bad for the Empire. Like, he immediately <laughs> destroyed <laughs> Starting it. Starting by destroying it, yeah. But we would not be talking about them in this podcast, then. Yeah. So. And also another factor is that he was a good judge. Hey, that's true, yeah. You know. He's supposed to be, like, a good... Yeah, that, that is the whole reason why it started. Sens- uh, sensible and yeah. with his head well put on his shoulders, I guess. Yeah, so I'm feeling like a four-ish. Five. Five? Okay. I, well, again, you have knowledge of the kings that are to come. I don't. Yeah, So you can true. probably compare and, you know. Yeah, we'll find later on, but that's a reasonable We're just getting started. Estimate. That works. Uh, so, with a 4 to 5, that is a total of 9 out of 20 for Aaron Shine. Next category is Face of Faces. Let's go. I can show you what he looks like. Oh, we have a face. So, we have a face. Wait, 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 wait. Let me it's absolutely draw him not first. contemporary. Yes, draw him. Uh... So, in the meantime, I'll let you know that we don't have any contemporary images of Dayakis. I imagine. Because, well, he's lost in the mists of history. We don't know. The only images that we have, or the one I've managed to find, is a... Painting by Louis Boulanger, who was a romantic French painter from the 1800s. Oh, so totally accurate, I assume. Yeah, and it's pretty much an illustration of Herodotus, where it's showing, oh yes, look at Dayaki's early pages of the text. This is what he looks like, and here you have him. I'm going to give him a beard. Beards are a good, are a good thing to have. Beards are going to be very popular for the next 300 years, 400. And, I don't know, long hair... That is a very hat-like hair. I like it. That's totally what he looked like. I'm yes, saying. that is objective. There's a nice speech bubble here that says, Oh no, I don't want to rule. Trust me. Dot, dot, dot. Totally. And he's looking very trustworthy. Totally not interested. Look at him. So good. Gonna give him some cool, like, necklace jewels or something. Yeah, he's got to have jewels. Come on. So yes, so I will show you what Dayaki's look like. He, he does have a beard. In this. Is this guy here. You can't see him, his back is turned, but he's pointing towards the medians and telling them to go and conquer and be powerful. This is hilarious. Yes, he, he, has, has, a, he has a little... He has a cool hat. Yeah, he basically has it. a nice robe and a coconut hat. Yep, <laughs> it looks, looks like, like half a coconut. coconut. Yes. Well, fuzzy. Yeah, uh, And a white beard with kind of long-ish hair. Because we see his profile, like, almost looking away completely from the viewer, so... And he's pointing in the distance, saying, go forth, he's... He looks a bit older than I drew, but, uh, you know, white hair and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it works. it's close enough. It works reasonably well. It's absolutely 100% accurate, for sure. No artistic liberties were taken. No, of course not. This Victorian Frenchman was fine. Yeah, so, he looks like what I imagined. Okay, so what are you going to rate him out of 10? What does this portrait tell you? Well, given the fact we don't really have any portraits yeah i'm gonna dock some points if it's not contemporary personally Mm, i don't know like a seven seven okay i'm gonna go hmm i was gonna aim for a six on its own but the non-contemporary yeah shoots it down a bit so i'm gonna go with a four honestly oh wow i might go down to a six you're going down to six yeah okay again these ratings are all over the place. This will make no sense with once we have like ten episodes. 
this first one will make no sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think he's much at risk of displacing some of the best ones, so eh, we'll you find gotta out. gotta start somewhere. At least we get our practice in. Humble beginnings. <laughs> Another good part of starting with the Yaki's is that we can get our practice in before getting to the first, the Great. Oh, starting yes. with the, the Great as a first episode... Please no. ...is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, cool. But also, oh no. I've heard you on your research. I know there's a lot of the grades and oh dear. There is a ridiculous amount of them, so we'll find out. But yeah, so overall face of faces, it's going to be two and a half points out of five for our Yaki's. Yeah, you know, halfway. Not too bad. And finally, the category which is going to be kindest to him is lengthiness. Yeah. Where we just take his length in years and divide it by ten. Unlike Herodotus, this is actually objective. Yes. Except... I mean, the, the date comes of, from Herodotus. Yeah, except this, we don't actually know how long he reigned or if he reigned at all. So let's yes, go. This is the most objective thing we can do. But yeah, we get out of lengthiness 5.3 points because he reigns 53 years. So overall, Diakis gains 5.3 in lengthiness, which is higher than the maximum of 5, but he needs the help. Oh, so the max we get to is 5 in the whole empire? I mean, it's roughly five is the idea. Somebody's going to rule for 70 years, but Whoa, that's... Oh, I can't wait. That sounds awesome. It's cool, but it's in a while. So overall, the total sum of his points is 32.8 out of 100 points for Diakis. Which... Fair. Honestly, isn't terrible. That's <laughs> Could how have been I would worse. rate this in Yelp. <laughs> Diakis, not really what I was expected. Most of it wasn't really reliable. Fun stories, though. Cool city design. Three out of ten. Sure. Three out of ten. Eh, you know, it's okay. Nothing incredible. Polyanus pops up. Yeah, Polyanus is like, haha, Polyanus. So we just have one last question, which is to say, is Dayakis a Shahanshah or a Shahanna? Come on. Like, the only reason is because he's the first. And I feel like he does not deserve... That's not a good enough reason. You just happen to be the first. It's not... Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> it's not like he immediately created a giant empire and then you're like, oh, wow, this is... Yeah, this is taking off. No, it's just he managed to like make a random city and unite a f- few villages and then that happened to evolve. But I don't... Yeah, it's nice to know he's there, but it's not anything that is mind-blowingly cool. I don't think I would tell people about him. No, Diakis is just... Because I wouldn't know what to tell them. Yeah, I mean, I, so I, many... I, I kind of like the story about tricking his way into power. That That's fun. I like the filling his house with stones. I keep yeah, wanting to say cool. boulders. <laughs> say he filled his house with boulders. Yes. It'll make it more exciting. And the people were like, oh no, attempted murder. Yeah, you definitely need a palace and a god and a city and a spy net. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there we go. Dayakis. Yeah, let's. You are unfortunately a Shahana. Yeah. Which also is good because you're not even technically a king of kings. You're barely a king. It's yeah, fine. You're not in Persia. What's happening? So, Pat Pat Dayakis, you just go in the desert. We'll never see you again. I feel like we've been so time. mean to him. Also, him who? I don't. still don't know who, who he is. Yeah, maybe he didn't even exist. I it's know. okay. I feel like we bonded more with Herodotus and Polyanus than we did with Diokis. 
Yes, I mean, it's important to bond with Herodotus. He's going to be around for a long time. We'll get to know him, and he's a lovable scamp. I thought you were going to say it's important to bond with Polyanus, and I was about to lose it. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't bond with Polyanus, or ask for consent. I'm sorry! Oh, God. (laughs) I'm sorry, everybody. So, yes, there we go. So that is the end of episode one, Diochis, the beginning of the Median Empire. So from humble beginnings, we'll get to something meatier and tastier eventually in like a couple episodes. Next episode, eh, I get to tell you about Assyria mostly. Hey, well, those are fun. They're very violent and scary. Spoiler alert, next episode about Fraortes is from one paragraph in Herodotus, full stop. Great. Watch me try and spin that into something usable. Cannot wait. Full episode, like, I don't know, 40 minutes, an hour out of one paragraph. Let's do it, folks. Anyway, thank you for making it this far. If you're still listening, we really appreciate it. We hope you had fun. I don't, I, you know, you have to start somewhere. Just like the Persian Empire. This is the diokies of our episodes, so let's go, folks. Thanks for listening to our first episode. We'll eventually improve in us and in our source material, because the material is going to be present. Oh. So that'll be fun. We'll actually have, like, something to go off of. Yes, we'll actually have more historical sources than my cousin knew a guy who told me this. (laughs) Although these are fun, though. It's nice to have something to start from, and this gives you a bit of a flavor for Herodotus, because... He's cool. I like him. He's nice. Yeah. Well, I guess see you in the next episode. So yeah, thanks a lot for joining us. And yeah, we'll see you in episode two for our tease. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.